Fantastic Beats. Three people, three tracks. We swap and we talk about them. I'm Jack Tutor. I'm Lizzie Maris. And we are very delighted to have as our guest, musician, writer and host of the excellent music podcast, Strong Songs, Kirk Hamilton. Hello, Kirk. Hello to both of you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for coming on. So we're going to dive into the recommendations. Lizzie, you're first up. Tell us about your track. Okay, so I have a track by Arcade Fire, and this is called Sprawl 2, brackets Mountains Beyond Mountains. So this is from their 2012 The Suburbs album. So this has long been a favourite of mine for a lot of reasons. I really, really enjoy Arcade Fire. To me, they feel very warm, they feel very fun. They remind me of being a little bit younger, which is quite (laughs) nice. And on this track in particular, it is a husband and wife duo. It's mainly Regine singing, which Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy because it's not always the case. They kind of split her. It's mostly him. So she really leads on this one. And this song just makes me feel awesome. It makes me feel like I'm in Stranger Things. I'm riding (laughs) fast on my bike around my neighbourhood with headphones on and I'm a little bit young and I'm not really sure what opportunities are out there for me in the world and I don't really think that I'm going to get out of this neighbourhood, which I suppose completely makes sense because it's from the suburbs. So you get the feeling of living in the suburbs, riding bikes. The lyrics talk about sitting on swings and people saying don't be pretentious, don't sing, just get on with life. And it reminds me of growing up. It reminds me of that steadiness of suburban life. And there's this really gorgeous synth in it, and it's very steady throughout, kind of undulating, like... And that, for me, is really steady. It's quite happy, it's quite constant. And the synths really are a massive feature of this song, because actually there are synths and synths, kind of like Mountains Beyond Mountains, or <laughs> like layers and layers, where every time I listen to it, I feel like I find a new layer of synth undulating in the background. Mm. Towards the end of the song, you get these pan drums that kind of scatter a little bit, and there's this really kind of ominous clanging notes that they all come together and join yeah. in on, which is a bit like a doomsday clang. And you're like, whoa, what is going to happen in this suburb? Am I just never going to get out? (laughs) But then you get these glimmer synths again, which make me feel like, ah, but it's quite a comfortable life and it's quite nice. So that's my song. There's also an interactive music video for this one. They brought out two. One of them is interactive. Now, I will say it hasn't aged that well because it's from (laughs) 2012. (laughs) And you sort of control it with your webcam. But if you go to um, sprawl2.com, you can control the video with your webcam, which I think was probably a really good idea at the time. Sounds a bit, feels a bit creepy now, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sounds like it it was definitely of its time. Yeah. 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 So that's me. Um, Kirk, what did you think? I think this is a really cool song. So I am, I have a funny backstory with Arcade Fire, I guess, is um, I love this band as well. And I love Funeral, their first album. That's always kind of been my favorite and am less familiar with their later stuff. My very brief, funny story about Funeral is that I had a roommate when I lived in San Francisco in California. And my roommate said, she was like, you have to listen to this band, the Arcade Fire. They're really cool. And this was before anybody knew who they were. And she gave me a burned CD of Funeral and I put it on 
on, I think I went on a run and I put it on, or maybe I like imported it into my iPod, whatever. I, I, I went on a run with it on and I had my headphones plugged in incorrectly. So oh. I was only hearing, I was hearing this weird garbled version of the album <laughs> and everything sounded really like, like it was all these really weird sounds because I just wasn't getting the whole thing. And then kind of halfway through, I remember thinking, well, this is like a really weird band. <laughs> and, then, and then I plugged the headphones all the way in and suddenly it all came in fully and I realized that I had completely misheard the album and I had been sitting there trying to talk myself into liking something that was not how it was supposed to sound. So... Anyways, um, I I uh, agree. I really like um, Regine's singing. I like that song in the back seat on um, that she sings at the very end of Funeral. I think is a really cool song. But this song is cool, and I'm totally with you, Lizzie, on the sort of the way that it's this kind of driving flat thing. It's beautiful, and but and definitely in an ominous kind of way. That think about this line: "Dead shopping malls rise like mountains beyond mountains." It's sort right. of about the the lifeless ennui of the suburbs, which is a, you know a big theme of the album too. And I think that it's really cool, and I totally agree about that that synth line they've got, which is cool because this song kind of just goes through the same three chords over and over and over again. It's an E flat and it just goes from like the one to the six to the four to the one over and over, except for this one little weird part in the middle where they <laughs> jump up to F sharp and they like change the key for a second, which is a very arcade fire move. Um, but it, uh, and it's, it's funny actually, it's sort of, um, it, it has some similarities to Jack's song in that, in, well, we'll get there. Um, ah. But anyways, it, yeah, I really like the synth line. I think the synth line like does, is a cool kind Kind of, uh, what would you call it? It's like a totem that kind of just ties the song together, yeah. and they keep coming back to that. And then it works over each of the chords, you know, in a slightly different way. So yeah, I think it's a, a really neat kind of trance-like song that, like you said, has actually a whole lot of layers to it, like a lot of Arcade Fire stuff. Yeah, sort of the more yeah. the more I come back to it, yeah, it's very thick. That's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, I realized that this is a song you've been singing around the house for about four weeks. Uh, so that was good to finally get get an answer on that. But I mean, to be honest, the first listen for me, it felt it felt quite flat when I took a first proper listen to it, because uh, it just kind of coasts on that four four. Yeah, because it is thing. kind of flat, right? Like right. in a certain way, not in a bad way necessarily. But. No, this is the thing. So I mean, to begin with, I did think, okay, this is kind of dragging out, and then. I think when I read the lyrics and listened again, it all kind of clicked into place for me because there is that sense that a lot of it seems to focus on the ideas of like really mundane labour. I mean, I think Lizzie, you mentioned that line where it's like, they heard me singing and they told me to stop, quit these pretentious things and just punch the clock. And it does Mm -hmm. feel like this endless churning almost. Uh, and, And it does start to plod in a way which almost feels like quite lethargic, even though you've got this kind of glossy and glimmering texture with the simps. I think it's almost like they've very cleverly like underpaced the song slightly like it could go quite a bit faster and the energy would Mm -hmm. be entirely Mm. different but it has this kind of slavish ploddy stomp to it which i think gives it a sort of melancholy kind of thing and and it's almost like just a, a a sort of vague sensation until you get to that really freaking creepy bit in the middle where they do this sort of doppler effect thing where the these almost like car horn sounds like melt mm-hmm. downwards and it changes into that key as you mentioned kirk that bit is quite freaky to be honest like in the do you think yeah wow. i think also the key that it lands on as well feels really wrong for a moment it's you're quite like, ominous well, yeah. and you're mm-hmm. almost on a tilt for a bit and then as, as you mentioned as well the, the clanging notes at the end like there's a there's a weird sort of energy 
energy haunting this song, which actually, the more I listened to it, felt like actually I was more compelled by it, you know, once I'd listened to it a few times than I was when I'd initially given it a go. So, yeah, there was more here than I initially thought in my dumb head. It kind of never, it never lands on a, like, it's just the same three chords in this kind of repetitive structure. Mm. And some of their other songs do that, but then they land like a lies, that Rebellion Lies song with that really catchy little chorus. That, like, they do the thing where they'll do this and then land suddenly in a kind of a different, more traditionally poppy sounding or, you know, straightforward chord progression. And this song never does that. So it's just this dirge almost that pushes through. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's very kind of rich and lovely in its way, but it's also kind of... Uh, you know uncanny or unsettling in a certain way too totally i think as well it's almost like regine's trying to push the energy up near the end like she's really given it some and the song Mm -hmm. song is kind of like stubbornly refute the song is just like no and just kind of carries on on that level and doesn't which is kind of tonally on point right it's like the suburbs are kind of repressing her voice and she's sort of trapped Mm -hmm. in this in this you know place yeah cool Nice. Very cool. I enjoy this song wow. a lot more now. We got as well. a lot out of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk, let's go to your song now. Okay, so my song is um, by the singer Kimbra from New Zealand. This is a track that I think that even people who know Kimbra, of whom I feel like there aren't enough people, that even people who know her don't necessarily know this song. This was on her her album Vows, which I'm actually looking up when that came out. Um, though I've Googled Vows and... I think it's 2012. That didn't... <laughs> that just brought <laughs> yeah. up what Vows That's are. <laughs> yeah, 2012 sounds about right. Um, she, I think people got to know her because she sang on the um, uh, somebody that I used to know that a Gautier song. She sings the sort of the woman's part on that song. And um, and then she, you know, does her own thing as well. So this song is called Sally, I Can See You. It's a, I would say lyrically, it's her kind of talking from the future to a version of herself in the past. That's kind of my read on the lyrics anyways. Oh. And, um, but it, it's kind of open to interpretation because her name isn't Sally. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> at least as far as I know, I don't think she changed her name from Sally to Kimbra. But I think it's kind of about someone who left someone else behind so it could just be read literally as like a friend that you left behind in your hometown but it's this very driving and um dense groove that i really really enjoy i just i love this song the first time i heard it it just knocked my socks off because of ah like the way that they build the groove the way that it has this kind of it's built around this i don't know what it is it almost sounds like a thumb piano this like bum 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 with this descending bass line and it's kind of hard to pin down what exactly is happening throughout a lot of the songs, both rhythmically and and harmonically. Like, there are bass notes, there is a clear chord progression when I sit down at the piano and kind of figure it out, but it doesn't ever really arrive at a clear point at which, like, they just play the chord 
words and then she sings. <laughs> it's much more like this constantly slightly off balance thing. Even when it arrives at Sally, I can see you. You know, it's all it's punctuated punctuated by this like Tom drum fill. It's like Sally, I can see you, but like it never quite hits the groove that I'm expecting it to hit, yeah. and it keeps me off balance in a way that I really like. And just her music, this whole album vows is absolutely incredible. I think I think she's just like a complete force of nature. I saw her live. She does a lot of live looping stuff that's super cool. She'll like oh, nice sing and then record herself over herself singing, and she has such a wild voice and can sing so many different I bet you know sounds awesome. that she does. Yeah, some really cool stuff with that. And just this song, I don't know. It's always been this sort of dark horse favorite Kimbra song for me, even though she has other songs that are better known and um, and are all also incredible. I just I think that something about the way that it fits together, the drama of it, the the way that the lyric the the vocals are mixed, everything. I just I think it sounds uh, really cool. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I love. Yeah, I'm this. curious what you two thought of it. Yeah, I was all in on this. I nice. also found that just like the first time I listened to it, I think we both actually had it in the on in the car, didn't we, Lizzie? For the first time that we heard it, and yeah, I was really struggling to find out what kind of song it was. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, when the verse comes in to begin with, and it's got that very spindle kind of spindly sensation to it mm. it's almost made out mm-hmm. of these almost, it almost sounds like the inside of a, a clock or a watch or something all these cogs kind mm-hmm. of ticking together i almost got enya vibes a bit as well just with the layered <laughs> vocals and pizzicato kind of uh sort of uh strings going on and stuff it felt like that and then the chorus is almost uh, the exact opposite texturally like it's this huge wave of sound that just comes in you're like oh now it's this and then it ramps up with the drums and it's got that like snare drum that sounds like a almost like a composite of like all the best 80 snare drums stacked yeah, on top right. of it's each other. Yeah, right. It's very reverbed out like bzzz. It's obnoxiously loud. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's pretty bold. And I love like the clacking rim, rim shots as well that are kind of coming in uh, to the right and to the left. And I just thought it was wicked. I mean, the the one thing I really like as well is that there's that one chord in the chorus, like the last one of her, like, refrain, where she says, like, at mm-hmm. my heart. Yeah, the B-flat. Yeah. God, it really... Throw- I, I think that brings a sort of mysterious sensation to this song as well. Like, it could have yes. been so much more, like, straight-up anthemic. But, yeah, it, it kind of, like, comes in at the side a bit. Um, I like the way that the voice is kind of, like she does so much with the voice like it's almost mm-hmm. like yeah. in the chorus she's using it almost like a string section in the background you've got this like rising and falling harmonic thing going on uh and then sometimes it's just one iteration of her voice and then sometimes there's like two of her which it's funny you mentioned about uh it being about someone she used to know uh, I read it as, when I read the lyrics, like, potentially about addiction and maybe drug addiction Mm. and Mm -hmm. someone perhaps seeing themselves for the first time uh, in the advent of breaking free of addiction and saying, like, "Ah, I can see you. So I thought the duality of the voices and having, like, maybe two of her or three of her kind of made sense because it's sort of almost playing with this sense of stepping outside of herself and looking back Mm -hmm. on herself and saying, ah, there you are. Yeah, really, really loved it. And I listened to it many more times than I needed to for the podcast (laughs) because I was enjoying it so much. But yeah, Uh, Lizzie, what do you reckon? Yeah, this is a powerhouse of a song. (laughs) It's a punch to the face and I really like it. And it took me so long to figure out that she was the person that featured on the Gautier track. Mm-hmm. Am I saying Gautier right? I think that's how you say it. That's how I say I it anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. 
because it really irked me. So apart from the fact that I love this song, I was like, I know this person, I know this person, but I knew that I didn't. I hadn't actively sought this person out. Mm -hmm. So obviously, in my mind, I had it locked away that this was her very distinct vocal style. So when I read that, I was like, ah, got it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I love her vocal structure. The way that it... I would describe it as a very brave vocal structure in the way that Mm. it kind of jumps around in a kind of Kate Bush beautiful way. And when she does that kind of used to the big high (laughs) slimy bits that are almost quite magical and and really brave. She does that straight out the gate as well on the first verse. Mm. And I think why I call it brave, because the song straight away is like, this is how a song is going to be, and I do not care whether that lands with you or not. So... (laughs) <laughs> I really love that. And yeah, those drums. The drums are having a total party. I really like the tom rolls. But then it gets like really heavy, like boom, dish, boom, dish. <laughs> And I really like that because it does feel like a little bit out of place. But you're like, yeah. nah, nah, I'm digging it, I'm digging it. And yeah, these vocals all over the shop. There's parts where there are vocals in some form throughout it. And I really, really like the end of it. After quite a strong disorientating song, you get these slidey pan strings that leave you feeling a little mm-hmm. bit loosey-goosey and a little bit floaty. Yeah. And then it leaves. And you're like, because it's sort of like ushering you into a new state where it's like, whoa, get your balance and we're gone. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very complete song. And I really, really love that. And I would love to know more of her stuff because I feel like really ashamed that I was sort of like, oh, I know her from that guy's song, (laughs) which is clearly incredible in her own right. So I'm definitely going to look up into her more. So thanks for bringing her up. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, she's incredible. My thing of describing her is always there's a lot of music in her music, yes. especially on vows. They're just every song. It's There's a great melody, a great verse, a lot of amazing vocal stuff and interesting things. And then there's always three or four cool other musical ideas that come up as you're listening to the song. Like I'll just be like, oh, that string part is so cool. Oh, that drum part is so cool. And there are so many ideas. She just clearly, especially on this album, I think, just had a million ideas that she was getting down. And they're all amazing. It's a really... It's an incredible album, so that's cool to hear that you guys liked it. Oh, yeah, Well, looks like we've got bloody hell. The cat has just tried something very mm. ambitious. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, she's fine. <laughs> she wants a guest spot on the podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, she, she always stays. Does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular feature. Um, so we've got one more song, uh, and it's my recommendation, and that's a track by Talk Talk called Inheritance. So Talk Talk, big English pop band, mainly really known for their stuff that they released in the first part of the 80s. And it used to be. Uh, I mean, essentially like new romantic, like compared to Duran Duran a lot, obviously because it's mm-hmm. talk, talk, Duran Duran. And they uh, <laughs> s- sounded super similar as well, which I think became almost a shadow that hung over them for quite a while. But by the time they released the album that my song I'm recommending came off from, 
they completely shed that entirely. I mean, what, what I find really interesting about Talk Talk is just following their discography from start to finish and hearing them swapping out electronic instruments for live instruments, bringing in more orchestration, starting to talk about Miles Davis more, starting to talk about Krautrock a lot. This uh, track that I've recommended is called Inheritance, uh, and it's from the album Spirit of Eden. And they were playing with silence a lot on this record. They were playing with improvisation a lot on this album so basically they had the bones of the song but then they also had orchestral players who were just encouraged to kind of do whatever they wanted spontaneously and then those recordings would be cut and spliced and put on top of the track and so the song has this sense that a lot of the instruments are kind of wriggling away from the song and or kind of undermining it or doing some strange things to the harmonies of the song but the song itself is uh, I mean, it starts with 12 seconds of silence, and then for the kind of verses, it, it doesn't really rise too much above that initial quiet level. It's just kind of piano, double bass, uh, I think guitar, drums, and then Mark Hollis's voice, which, uh, con- considering he used to be someone who used to sing these big kind of belting choruses sounds like the voice is being snatched out of his mouth during the verses on this <laughs> and then mm. it comes into the chorus and it's almost like someone's yanked the curtain down and you've got these organs that flood in like all of these orchestral instruments i mean the dynamic uh, extremities are what talk talk became known for in these kind of last few records and it's just the most beautiful melody that comes into that chorus bit and mark starts absolutely belting it it just I very nearly cry a lot when I listen to this song um, Hmm. because it's just the most gorgeous thing. There's also a bit in the middle where there's just like loads of woodwinds that cluster together and then they sort of uh, fly off in different directions. There's no other instruments apart from like the drums still doing their thing. And it sounds like the song's kind of wandered away from itself a bit and then it's only after about 30 seconds that it finds its path again. Uh, And I love the tension with this era of Talk Talk stuff where it's like the songs could kind of just fall apart at any moment like people are only just vaguely sticking to the general structure no instruments like holding the melody to itself they're all having to like disperse it between them but it's almost like they're whispering it to each other um i just freaking love it yeah lizzie what do you think yeah i think i mean not to compare it directly but the kimber song made me feel like wow we are in the room together this is happening to me oh my god and i feel like this song (laughs) don't like where this is going (laughs) this song doesn't care you've walked into the room and the song is happening and it doesn't care that you're in the room it's like you can walk in you can sit down and listen we're gonna crack on and it sounds in the beginning it sounds very far away it's very quiet it feels very removed there's this kind of echo on the guitar where it's like oh it really is further away than it is which i really really enjoy but it's just like it doesn't care and and then this kind of small voice slides in again almost like is it meant to be there and it is deliberate but you have to second guess it you know you're like is that oh you are you're singing you've started okay but this is all very deliberate for something that sounds quite accidental and quite sort of oh you've just walked into this jam session happening and of course he has a devastating voice that's absolutely when he goes for it it's haunting i understand why you feel the need to like physically shed tears because it is very yeah you know and it's not great voice as well i mean no great in terms of strength but like it's crumbly that's wobbly isn't it yeah yeah 
like which is maybe where some of that vulnerability comes from um I really like the unlikely bassoon solo. Right. Or yeah. Clarinets <laughs> or whatever that was with the jazz brushes underneath. Yeah, I really enjoyed that bit. But just my overwhelming sense with this song is that it's like, whoa, it's very special. And I don't know whether I love it or I don't. I just feel like, oh, that just kind of has to sit on the shelf with the precious things, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I enjoy it. But I recognise it as something quite special and quite precious, really. Um, so it kind of left me feeling like a little bit distanced from it. But I feel like that's what it wants. Okay. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, you know, one thing I did write down here is it sounds like they're kind of huddled in the corner of a church having their own little sacred experience. Yeah. So I get that. I totally get where you're coming from. But uh, Kirk, what do you think? Man, this is a really fascinating song. I uh, I agree with a lot of what both of you said, or I, I, I share some of those feelings, or you kind of articulated things that I felt um, in interesting ways. I agree that the song is a very distinct thing in that it's both harmonically very simple, but also complicated. And there's a sort of a sense of indifference about about the way that it's recording. It's not, indifference is maybe the wrong word, right? Like it's mm. it's clear that when I was learning this, I was sitting down at piano and listening to this recording, which is usually how, if I'm going to really get into something, wow. um, how I kind of like to, to listen and I'm sitting there playing and I'm like, okay, this is in G and we're just going, we're in E minor and then we're in D and we're in G. This is pretty straightforward. And then suddenly I'm I'm thinking, what is the piano player doing? <laughs> There's just, yeah. This piano player is playing what sounds like random notes. And then the, uh, the woodwind section comes in and they sound really lovely, but that's also a little bit off. And there's a sense that like the, the arrangement can't agree on whether there's an F natural or an F sharp and there are these times where it goes back and forth between the two and in this key those are actually pretty that's a pretty significant difference and I started to realize okay this sounds like they recorded some of these instruments separately or had them doing something different and then overlaid it to this and then I was looking up how they recorded this album later and that is what they did and so that kind of that kind of makes sense and um, it's so it's very carefully put together to give you this sort of an uncomfortable and distant feeling from it where it's it's distant like the parts of the recording are distant from one another which it, it adds to that I think feeling of distance that you've both articulated that both the band sometimes is playing in a different space than other parts of the band yeah. which makes you feel like you're kind of listening to these two groups that are occasionally overlapping but they aren't locked in unison and they're not meant to be and that's a really cool like feeling for recording to explore i also liked i really like the vocals on this as well lizzie you described the that when he starts belting as cr- mm-hmm. sort of crumbly it's yeah it's like he's so right there on that on that one part that like he's like Da-na. that one note is this f sharp i don't know if that's really an f sharp or not but um but that's that note he's hitting and it does not fit right. with the harmony <laughs> that's happening yeah. it's just not the n- right right quote unquote note but it works and it's so because it, he's singing it in this sort of really raw way it comes across as he's just like nope i'm singing an f sharp here <laughs> this is happening and i believe it and he he believes that note and it comes across and so it's this really interesting mix of sort of weird it's not atonal exactly but it's sort of it's avant-garde in a in a very distinct way and I think the song just really it holds together despite the actively not holding together in ways and that just makes it fascinating to me I I feel like I need to listen to it a bunch more times and really work out all the parts and almost try to figure out 
which sections are being played together with one another to then understand how they fit and don't fit together even better. But what a cool song. I hadn't heard this, and I'm actually not even that familiar with Talk Talk, despite, you know, sort of knowing them. So this has been a really cool introduction. I want to go listen to the rest of the album and the rest of their stuff. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I thoroughly recommend that. I think um, what's great is that he did a lot of interviews around this time where he talked a lot about intentionality. And again, Miles Davis came up, and he was just like... You know, mm-hmm. unless you've got something to play, just don't play anything. And <laughs> that's definitely the Miles Davis lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is amazing because when then when you listen back to those takes which sound, I guess, conventionally off, you're like, Wow, that's the one he went with. That's a fucking bold move to be like, right. that's the one I'm sticking with. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad. I, I, I think they're just, like I say, to follow them from start to finish, you hear literally a band shedding everything that they don't need and shedding what they used to be. I feel like this is almost the band that was lying beneath it all, that they just had to chisel away to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, really cool song. Nice. Well, this has been great. Kirk, thank you very much for sharing your time and your music thoughts and expertise. It was totally my pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And if people want to keep up to speed with you, I mean, we should say once again, uh, we were saying before we start recording, Lizzie and I both love the Bananas Out of Huge Strong songs. fans. Yes. Ah, that makes me so happy. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. If you want a sort of really well-researched, more musically sound and interesting version of this, you need to go to Strong Songs <laughs> and find that. Yeah, what, what your GCSE music classes should have been like. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. It's definitely, that uh, show is definitely a lot of fun to do. That's awesome that you guys listen. Yeah, where well, can people uh, check it out and uh, and keep up to speed with what you're doing? Yeah, so it's called Strong Songs. It's on all the podcast mainstays. It's at strongsongspodcast.com also. And you can find me at Kirk Hamilton. Uh, that's K-I-R-K, kirkhamilton.com. Or I'm on Twitter. That's actually the only social media that I use now. And I'm at Kirk, K-I-R-K, Hamilton on Twitter. So those are the easiest places to find me, I would say. Wicked. So, Lizzie, uh, if people want to keep up to speed with what we're doing as well, where should they be headed? They should be headed to fantasticbeatspodcast.com. Or you can also find us on Twitter at fantastic underscore pod. Or if you have any thoughts on the show or you'd like to be a guest or if you have a track that you'd really like us to talk about, you can email us at hello at fantasticbeatspodcast.com. Super. Great. Well, that's us for this time. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.